Hey there, this is On Mike with Jordan Rich. Great to be with you. I'm very excited about welcoming a Vermont-born actor and voiceover artist extraordinaire to the podcast today. When I started this show nearly three years ago, it was my intention to highlight those in my industry, the world of voice acting. And now, of course, since then, we have had folks from all walks of life. But I don't stray too far from asking people I greatly admire to share insight into their craft, a craft that I love so well. Today, we have unquestionably one of the best to ever step in front of the microphone. He's Will Lyman, and if you're not totally familiar with the name, you will know the voice. Since 1984, Will's been the narrator for the prestigious PBS news show Frontline. He's also done a lot of VO work for the classic science show Nova, as well as National Geographic, the history, discovery, and learning channels, to name but a few. Oh, and not to mention countless national commercials. He's also trod the boards on great stages here in the city of Boston, such as the Huntington Theatre Company and Commonwealth Shakespeare. Will starred in his own TV series as William Tell, you know, the guy who never misses with a bow and arrow, countless TV and film appearances, but it's the voice that, in my estimation, sets him apart and qualifies him as one of the best in the business. So, Will Lyman, it's an honor to welcome you as we go on mic. Will, I, I'd have to ask you first off to describe where you're coming from, because we're all on Zoom these days, but where are you right now? Thank you, Jordan. I'm, I'm in my home in Jamaica Plain. I have a, a small booth here, which uh, keeps me from traveling across town every now and then to GBH for a five-minute session. So it's, it's really, it's very helpful. In the old days, not too long ago, you and I would have to trudge through the snow to get to some downtown agency to record. And now, you, in your <laughs> slippers or whatever, you can just walk into your closet yeah. and do it. That's right. That's right. It's basically what this used to be was a closet in my office. <laughs> I was thinking about building a building a you know a home studio in the basement. Uh, but then uh, one day, I was sitting in my office, and I said do I really want to have to get up and go down three floors into the basement to record something? No, I, I got a closet right across the, the office here. I, I, can, I can put a microphone in there and, and just pad across in my slippers to across the room. Well, that's so the that one, one advantage to the modern technology, for sure. It's a little easier to get there. I'd love to ask you, First off, you, you want were... to talk about modern technology changing the way we work. It's, um, oh. you know, going back to a long time. <laughs> this, it, it's so much. It's so different now. So and and different. that's what I wanted to start out with, with if you recall the early days of you as a, as a voice actor, because uh, you've had a, an incredible career and you're so well known, but it had to start somewhere. Do you remember the early ones, the early projects? Yeah, I uh, I spent a lot of time doing industrial narration Um you know things like uh, my fa my favorite example is the optical weft reader, uh, which is a, a weaving machine, uh, automated weaving machine, and and how to how to how cinder blocks are made, things of that sort. Uh, just one after that, I did hundreds of them, and that's that's really where I started out. Uh, that much more so than than commercial work at the beginning. Uh, it's really where I where I learned it. I've done so many of those as well, and I can honestly say I forget everything I've read right after I do it. I mean, I, I think people like me <laughs> yeah. and you, maybe you, but me, I would be the most knowledgeable man on the planet. And it's it's just uh, an acting job in a sense, uh, but it's it's yeah. fun. Oh, people always say that to me. You you must you must know everything about current events and the history of the world and and politics because you know you tell us all about it all the time. 
I said, if I if I could actually remember everything that I read, I I I probably would be the smartest guy in the world. But uh, <laughs> no, well, <laughs> I read it's it's a it's a job, like you said. Right. I read somewhere, and this is always nice to see. One critic called you one of the most underrated actors. This was when you were doing TV and a lot of television work. More, I don't know where he got that. <laughs> <laughs> More to the point, uh, the epitome of somebody who works in so many different genres in terms of acting, lots of voice work, lots of stage work, and television. So you've had a, a pretty interesting run. Yeah. I um, Actually, I used to be incredibly diversified even in the voice work um, back in you know, turn, turn of the century. <laughs> oh my God, I'm saying that now. Back at the turn of the century, I was very diversified and, uh, and in fact, was able to weather the, uh, the commercial strike, the infamous commercial strike of 2000, I guess it was, uh, without, uh, without too much pain because I had so many other things that, have, that was going on. Now, now, of course, I'm all, I'm all frontline. If frontline goes away, I'm, I'm, uh, <laughs> I'm destitute. Well, we 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 feel very confident that Frontline I I would hope is going to be around and that's a great jumping off point too the gig that you've had now since the eighties did you audition for that how did that come about how did you get that actually uh, I did not audition for that uh, I was offered that by uh, David Fanning in the, at the beginning of the second season um, I had just come off of um, a thirteen part television history of Vietnam, a television history, which had been a, 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 a blockbuster for PBS at the time, won all kinds of awards and so on and so forth, very highly regarded. And that I did audition for. Um, it ended up between me and Richard Kiley, and I, I thought for sure that was, that was not going to happen, but uh, it did. It was probably Richard Kiley couldn't fit it into his schedule, but um, anyway, that, that had, that had happened. And then, uh, I had done some other work for, for PBS and for GBH specifically, <coughs> excuse me, um, uh, in the previous years some work for Nova and, uh, Eric Severide's, uh, enterprise series, things of that sort. So, um, David knew who I was by that time. And he had this great idea to have a, series narrator for for frontline and he asked me to do it absolutely what was that 83 84 something like that uh well i think we're the frontline is in its 39th season so <laughs> uh, 40 years ago for 81 82 wow would have been 80 the 82 83 season i guess i've never done a television documentary voice work project but i'm wondering is is it all given to you in one chunk and are you recording it and then you're done or, or sometimes because it's a news program, are they sometimes updating it and you have to re-edit and revise what you've said or is it pretty much scripted? Well, that's changed over the years, Jordan. It uh, used to be pretty much you go in, you read it and, and that's it. Um, when I became exclusive to Frontline, uh, it, it, I don't, I think that may have had a, something to do with the fact that they sometimes they'll do half the show and get it done, get it, you know, because they work under a tight schedule, do a half the show and then uh, call me back to do the other half of the show. And it doesn't cost them a double session because I get paid a flat fee. Um, and uh, there are now often 
four, five, six redo sessions for, you know, change this line here, change that line there. New information has come in. The lawyers said this, uh, you know, with that that was unclear. We don't we, we changed the wording, that kind of thing. So it, it kind of goes on and on, but uh, I don't mind. Well, you've got such gravitas. Uh, but here's a question about that, doing it for so long and being so well regarded and so well recognized as the voice of Frontline. Has that been either a boon to getting you other work or has it been uh, a hindrance because people say, well, he's the Frontline guy? Well, it, well, now they can't because, as I said, I'm, I'm exclusive to Frontline for long-form mm. narration. So I can't, do, I can't work for Discovery or TLC or whoever they are now. I don't even know. <laughs> uh, I used to do a lot of work for them, and that was one of the problems that David had was that uh, some of that material was purporting to be news journalism, and it really wasn't. And uh, David really didn't want the voice of Frontline to be involved with, shall we say, non, non, uh, non-journalistic standards of, mm. of other broadcasts. And uh, so that's uh, we we worked out a we worked out a deal, and uh, so I, I worked for Frontline exclusively. In the in the beginning, for many years, I was I was working as a as just a voiceover guy for hire. They they'd call me in, they'd pay me for the session, and and that was it. Um, and it actually took a surprisingly long time to get um, to start getting calls from other other producers. Hmm. You know, I figured that, uh, you know, Discovery, for instance, would say, hey, here's a guy, we could use him. He sounds okay. He's pretty good. We could do that. And it it didn't happen for years. It was Hmm. quite funny. I mean, strange. It wasn't funny. (laughs) (laughs) Funny when you're trying to pay the bills. I know. But but then it did. Then it did finally caught on. But it was a a good 10 years, I would say, before anybody seemed to notice. There, there's a commercial campaign. You talk about commercials, and you've done so many, but the one that people would recognize you for was the what the most interesting man in the world campaign. Yeah, and yeah. and that was so much fun because first of all, visually it was fun, but your voice was just perfect for that kind of thing. A little wry, uh, ironic twist to your your tongue in cheek delivery. Uh, that went on for quite yeah. a number of years, didn't it, Will? Yeah, I think I, I think it ended up about uh, a good nine or ten years. It was, it was a long one. It was a long mm. one. Um, they didn't do a lot of them. They didn't make a lot of ads. Uh, I think they ended up making two, two, three a year, or maybe maybe two twice a year, four four times four four spots a year. That was all that it was, really. But they uh, they had a tremendous impact, and and uh, really uh, really took a beer that was. Not all that well known when we started out into, uh, you know, a household brand. Before we leave voiceover, and I could speak with you for days about the industry and all that, uh, just a, a word or two about the art form itself, something that I live for every day and I teach it a bit and I absolutely adore it. But uh, what would be your advice to anyone interested in the field and exactly how do you define voice work? It's not just reading words on a page. And I know you have thoughts on that, I'm sure. <laughs> well, I, I, uh, I have sometimes, I sometimes referred to it as uh, being a professional plagiarist. <laughs> um, 
because that is really what we do. We make we take other people's words and make it sound like they're our words and something that comes from our own from our heart, from our own heart, from our own being. And we do that we do that as actors on the stage and, and I think we, we have to do that as voice voice actors as well. I mean it's voice acting, right? Mm. Um, it's it's uh, finding finding what is important enough to you that you need to communicate it and uh, uh, I think that's really what it's all about I mean certainly there's uh, there's a lot that eventually you will need to know about how the voice works how your body works how the voice works in it um, because there are inevitably sessions that are that are tough and stressful and if you don't have a handle on exactly how the voice is produced uh you're going to get into trouble so that training in that respect is is uh is equally important really yeah the I mean, art you probably you can get you can get away with it for a long time until you until you have one of those sessions where everybody's unhappy and yeah and they're, talk, they're talking on the other side of the glass and you can't hear what they're saying and you're sure they're saying, where did we get this guy? Get rid of him. <laughs> how do we get, how much do we have to pay him to make him go home? <laughs> yeah, that we've all had those moments. Uh, and, and I yeah. agree with you. There's a mechanic, mechanical and, and practical mm-hmm. uh, compendium of things that you need to learn and understand just as you would if, if you were an athlete uh, to understand how to, how to succeed. But I want to uh, take us off voiceover for the short time we have with you and talk about your name, Will, and your connection with two other Wills. And I'm not talking about the, the estate planning side. I'm talking about William Shakespeare. We'll get to him in a minute. But uh, William Tell. And when I did research into you, uh, you know, the first thing that pops <laughs> up is Frontline. Uh... And Will LeBeau, a fellow actor and a great, great guy. <laughs> but we'll, let's talk yeah. about the William Tell series called Crossbow which actually ran for, what, three seasons and uh, in the late 80s, and you had a pretty juicy role. You were the star, right? I, I, I was there every day for three years, <laughs> yes. Um, uh, yeah, that was quite an adventure, quite an adventure, really. And it was, a, it, it was a production that was planned for three seasons. They, they were going to they, they make 72 episodes. That was it because they planned to sell it immediately into syndication. It's called first run syndication. And uh, they figured they could have, uh, you know, three seasons of, uh, of uh, uh, what is it now? It's 20, 20, uh, 25, 26, 26, episodes. 26, three, three seasons of 26 episodes, mm-hmm. throw out the, the worst six or whatever it comes down to. And um, I think, Ultimately, we had about six good episodes, and we had to throw away the rest <laughs> of them. But <laughs> that was my opinion, anyway. Um, uh, but it was uh, it was quite an adventure to be shooting for three three years in France, all over southern France, um, getting to know France fairly well, and uh, and working with the 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 équipe, the film crew there. Um, uh, all of them, many of them, good, good friends, and um, uh, and really getting a lot of experience in the in the craft, really of making making television, 
Um, mm. Were, were I, you? I, I learned a lot about what what an actor is not really able to do, not really able to. I I kind of jumped immediately into uh, producing and writing mode, and it was not not well received. Mm. But uh, I, I'm wondering about uh, your family at that point. Three years in France, uh, a lot of overseas work. How did that work out domestically for you? Well, the first year, uh, the first season we were there, all, all three of us, my, my daughter, who was eight at the time, um, uh, we were there for the whole season, all three of us. Mm-hmm. Uh, the second, because she was in fourth grade, right? Um, the second season, uh, they were there for, throughout the summer, and then um, they went home in September. She she went to her school and then she was there for half or maybe she came she came in halfway through that first semester we'd finish shooting by by christmas time each year and uh, and so she, she she missed the first half of the, that fall semester and then went back and then the third season uh, she popped in and out for a couple of weeks at a time here and there um uh, and of course, my wife did yeoman duty of transatlantic uh, <laughs> travel, <laughs> kind of keep me uh, keep me uh, my my head on straight and uh, and take care of our, our daughter. And uh, yeah, it was that was that was a bit rough. It was rough on her for yeah. sure. I, I asked this question of actors and friends of mine in the business, and that is a pretty standard question. You know, what what gives you a better buzz or high working on a series which is exciting or working on a stage where it's no special effects it's just you and the audience uh for some people it's like a toss-up but do you have a a preference stage stage (laughs) one word um yeah uh, working on uh, television uh it it's uh it's got it's high profile but it's 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 um, it's very strenuous work doing a doing a TV series. It's um, it's every every day uh, and uh, a full. Uh, in the case of William Tell, 30, 30 minutes of, uh, mm. of of script to learn. Um, whether it's Hull High, it was an hour show. Uh, uh, Commander in Chief was a, an hour. Of course, I didn't. I wasn't a regular on Commander in Chief. Was, you were bumped off, I uh, think, weren't guess, you? Guest star. I'm sorry. Weren't you the president who didn't make it? Is that why? <laughs> yes, I, I was the dead president. The yes. dead president. <laughs> we all want, wish we had more of those in our wallet, but that's another story. I'll <laughs> um, no, no. No, but it, it's interesting you say that because I want to morph and, and transition now to the other Will, William Shakespeare, because I know you've you've done your fair share. And you're also involved in an organization here in Boston that's promoting Shakespeare. Talk a little bit, if you will, with me about your relationship with Shakespeare. I'm, I'm well. I am uh, on the board of directors of the Champlain uh, Champlain Shakespeare. That was a long time ago. <laughs> Commonwealth Shakespeare Company, right? Um, uh, doing the productions on the Common each year, except for last year, unfortunately, due to some strange thing that's been running around. Um, we hope to be back next year with the Tempest, um, which is actually the third show I did with them. This is their second production of Tempest. And I, I did, uh, I did Prospero in the original one, uh, or the, not the original one, but their first one anyway. Yeah. You're um, not that old. That was some time ago. 
Right. Well, you know, Prospero's got a uh, got a eighteen year old daughter, so he's not. <laughs> Prospero right. isn't that old either. Yeah, he's a contemporary. Um, we'll put it put it that way. And but he's he can be he he really nobody really cares how old the actor is. I don't think <laughs> as long as he does a good job in that role in that role. You know, they say you can do you can do Hamlet if you do Hamlet as a young man, you can do it into your sixties. Uh, but if you if you've never done if if it's if you've never done it before, you can't start at sixty. Ah, you have to have done it. You have to have done it in your as a young man, and then you can play it for the rest of your life. I don't know quite why that mm. is true or why they say that. Is I suppose that's what people have done, but uh, nobody's ever successfully broken in to Hamlet at sixty years old. Well, it, it's interesting you mentioned stage so quickly. I've, I'm not surprised by that because I've I've seen your work and you work with the Huntington Theater locally and many other great companies. And I'm just an amateur actor, haven't done anything professionally. But there's something so electrifying and so much more thrilling to be in front of a live group of people reacting to whatever you're delivering. Uh, and I've only done a few TV walk-on pieces that are very slow. By the time you get to hear the word action, you know, you could grow a beard. So it's definitely <laughs> it's definitely a different experience. But um, recently, Will, you landed an interesting gig in Boston playing one of the most iconic characters, uh, Ebenezer Scrooge. An example uh-huh. of using multimedia. Tell us exactly, first of all, how that came about and your interpretation of that great character, Scrooge. Well, the... Uh... Uh, the let's see, what was the group? The Boston Businessmen's Association or something? BID, I think. Business. Downtown Business Group. Yeah, that that handles downtown crossing. There you go. There you go. Yeah. Uh, was was trying to do something to bring people in into the downtown area, um, especially in the face of uh, storefronts being empty, uh, uh, people of having folded up tents and gone away, and and uh, they didn't want it to become a an empty cavern. So they they asked uh, various arts groups in the city to present proposals for what to do in these empty storefronts. And uh, uh, Steve Mailer, the the head of the the, the founder, head chief <laughs> chief operating officer, executive, or everything of uh, Commonwealth Shakespeare Company, uh, proposed a, a production of a Christmas Carol, uh, one man uh, with uh, video video backgrounds, um, and he asked me to do it. And we went into a, a little studio and in front of a green screen and and knocked it out. And uh, uh, they then sent it off to uh, an associate in uh, in California who did the, the backgrounds, the silhouette, uh, um, period style silhouettes and uh and put it up there i, th- I thought it was i thought it was kind of cute I, th- I i quite enjoyed doing it uh, it was uh very well received i caught it and i gotta tell you uh i was thrilled for so many reasons one that it was you that it was my favorite christmas story of all time and the fact that we were able to you and company were able to pull it off and bring something back to the people in the midst of this yeah. pandemic yeah it was it, it was it was great in that in that regard, and that uh, you know there was now something going on down there. I, I thought uh, Steve and, and company did a just fantastic job in producing that 40-minute piece. And I don't know, was it uh, 
total of 14 days or something like mm. that. It was, it was outrageous. Um, uh, certainly didn't look like it, but, uh, it, no, it's it was, great production. Uh, I, I just can't imagine how much fun it must be to say the words undigested bit of beef. Just love that part. It's my favorite part when he talks to Marley's ghost. <laughs> he is, he is, uh, just the most remarkable writer and, and, and the words are delicious to say. Yeah. Delicious to speak. Um, there's no question about it. One more important, very important reference. Uh, I've only had one other guest who's had any connection to this, but I believe you're one of the few people in, in our podcast series who's had a link to The Simpsons, an actual... W- were you on <laughs> The Simpsons yourself, or...? I, 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 I was on The Simpsons. Um, <laughs> I, I, didn't ha- I didn't have a, uh, a, a visual persona, but it was, uh, you know... What do you hire Will Lemon for? You hire him to speak. So it's, <laughs> I was, a, I was a voice. I was, a, you know, the, I think it was called front. Uh, the takeoff uh, the on front line. My, my hallway out there. Yeah, yeah. Front, uh, front something. Front, uh, you know, the voice of something. Voice of front line or something. It wasn't called yeah. front line. I can't now, did you do that in Boston it. and ship it out there? Is that the way it worked, or did, were you out in California? Oh, geez, I can't remember. I can't remember where I was. Oh, I know. I was. Yes, I was in. I was in Montpelier, Vermont. Oh, we did it in the studio in Montpelier, Vermont, wow. um, by, you know, by phone, by ISDN back, you know, which is now an ancient technology. Yeah. <laughs> in the days when it actually cost a lot of money to do what we're doing right now for free. You know, Frontline's been on the air, I think, longer than The Simpsons, but The Simpsons is probably next in line to, to Frontline. Might be. It's such, a, yes. such an interesting yeah. thing. Well, you mentioned, before we wrap up, you mentioned your daughter. Her name is Georgia. I met Georgia about uh, seven or eight years ago. She's a sweetheart. We did a little audio work together, and I when I she told me her last name, course, I'm being curious. You're not related to that Will Lyman, are you? And she was so <laughs> proud of her dad. Were you, and I, I don't know if this is still the case, she was in theater at the time. If she is, and if she was, were you supportive of that, knowing what you know about the industry? Oh, yeah. Yeah. It, I, there's no question that it's, uh, it's not a good career choice. Um, <laughs> but if it's what you want to do, then do it. We need we need people who are following their dreams and following their hearts. And, and, and I'm a firm believer in finding what it is that interests you in life and, and doing that rather than saying, well, let me see. The income level for an engineer is such and such. The income level for a real estate agent is such and such. I think I'm going to go into well, whatever it is. It's just a, just a stupid way to make a, a life choice. Um, uh, so, yeah, if that's mm. p- people come and ask, uh, you know, what what advice do you have? My my daughter wants to be an actress or my 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 son, my brother, my whoever is thinking about this. What what advice do you have? And my my really only only advice is if there's anything else you want to do, do that. But if if this is the only thing you can see yourself doing, then absolutely go ahead and do it. And, uh, you know, don't, don't stop. The thing is, it's, it's such a hard profession that if there's anything at all else that you'd like to do, you're going to end up doing that <laughs> because it's going to be too many times when you, you lose faith in yourself, you lose, you know, you lose faith in the, in the work, um, or you just have a prolonged period of, of, debt and poverty that uh you say oh, i'm 
I'm going to plan B. I'm going to plan B. And that, <laughs> and that's what will happen. And, and by that time, you'll be, you know, 10, 12 years behind behind everybody else that wants to get into the business, into that new business. Other than that, so, it's a great, great way to have fun. <laughs> and, and the body of work, I, I want to just close with this. Your body of work speaks for itself. But for people who are hearing you now, uh, maybe just even catching this by accident and thinking, well, I know that voice. That's pretty cool. By the way, do you get occasionally in a restaurant or when we go back to restaurants or in a, a storefront or something, when you're <clears throat> making a purchase, do you get, hey, aren't you the guy I hear doing this or that? I imagine that must happen with you, with so many Very viewers. seldom. Really? Very, very seldom. I, I think that people don't really have that kind of ear, that kind of oral memory. Certain people do. There are certain times I've gone into a, a I remember one time I was buying, buying plants in a nursery, and, and uh, the, uh, the guy looks up from the cashiers you know the, the cash register and we process the card and everything and he says by the way I, I want to tell you that i've really enjoyed your work all these years <laughs> so, <laughs> we hadn't said anything uh, about anything like that and he but he said oh yeah i know i, I recognized it right away it's yeah, happened it to me happen very often. happened to me a couple of times in restaurants and uh, i'm always tickled when somebody says uh i know you i i listen to you and three o'clock in the morning who else would but a waiter getting off a shift and uh <laughs> i'm always tickled by that but listen will uh i've kept you long enough you are a delight and uh you've my made pleasure. you've made my day because i've been wanting to track down and and get to know you and what a great way to share some friendship on a podcast so wishing you the best we'll watch frontline and hear you and no doubt see you on stages in the near future thank you so much jordan it's been a pleasure what a talent and what a great gentleman, Will Lyman. You can find out more on his official website, whitethroat.com. And thanks, as always, to Dan Tebow of Fast Twitch Media, to Ken Carberry at Chart Productions, and to all of you for subscribing and downloading the podcast. And we always appreciate a nice review when you can do that as well. Check out jordanrich.com for much more. Till next time, be well so you can do good. Take care. <laughs>